Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Super Image LTD podcast. Uh, today, we are talking with a friend of ours who we met a while ago at a couple different film festivals. Um, this is Charlie Samuels, and uh, I think I'll let him introduce himself and, and talk a little bit about his background, as well as the film he is uh, currently representing today. So, Charlie, why don't you tell us and the audience a little bit about yourself? Well, my name's Charlie Samuels, and... Um, I, uh, I've always been a creative person. Um, I didn't know I'd get into storytelling until, uh, you know, midway through my life. Uh, but, um, naturally as a photographer, which is my, uh, main, um, occupation, uh, I was telling stories unwittingly because I, I specialized in photo essays and journalism uh, and trying to tell a story with one picture. Uh, so that's where really where I cut my teeth um, with magazines in New York City. Uh, and uh, I started out at University of Maryland being a photojournalist for, the, for the, um, the college paper. And I got all the plum assignments, features, front pages. Uh, and uh, it was... Uh, it, that's really where I got a taste of visual journalism or storytelling. And when, when talking about Virgin Blacktop, that was a film that uh, took a very long time to, to sort of accumulate all that footage. When did you first know you wanted to turn that into, into a film? When did you know that this footage went beyond just capturing it? Um, yeah, there's, that's an exciting story for me because um First of all, it was one of the best times of my life spending time on a skateboard team as a teenager. Um, and that was in the late 70s. And then, you know, our, our team sort of lightly stayed in touch and got together once in a while. Um, and then I said, I said to everybody, we got to have a reunion. This was 1994. And we all got together in my apartment and we built a ramp inside the apartment and we filmed ourselves and we just had a, an amazing time together. We, you know, some of us hadn't seen each other since we comp competed. And um, so I'm, I, I'm a documentarian naturally and I just got a high eight camera that year. So I just, I couldn't not film this crazy party. And I, and then I thought, you know, this, this has a lot of energy. It, it, it could make a good 24 minute documentary uh, on the Manhattan neighborhood network, which is what I had a documentary show on. And so I thought I'd cut it together and just sort of throw it up there. It's kind of a ego thing. I was a little nervous about that, but uh, I just was hoping it still had the energy you know, that I, that I experienced it with. So not only did it really work that way, it really did have a lot of energy. The footage had a lot of energy, but I, but I thought, you know, this is, this is worthy of trying to find the super eight footage of people that shot us way back in the day. And I thought there was only one, maybe two people that shot us. And much to my surprise, there were four or five people that shot us, including myself. I had forgotten that I shot, you know, Super 8 back then just as a hobby. And uh, 
the footage that other people shot was just stellar. And that's the moment I realized that this is not, this is worthy of something longer than 24 minutes. This is worthy possibly of an hour or a feature. And uh, at the time I had made 20 or 30 documentaries on, on the Manhattan neighborhood network. And so I dove in and I interviewed everybody and I call that super eight footage. I just want to tell you the Holy grail of the documentary. I just had to do it justice. And uh, it just flowered from there. And like almost every documentary that you work hard on, it goes in a different direction and you can't believe some of the things that you find. And, and it turned into a full fledged feature length, 80 minute film. Now, I'll oh, go ahead. One, one question I had is seeing how it came from like, you know, expecting it maybe to be a 20 to 30 minute. And this is one thing I know from making documentaries is that you never know where they're going to take you. Um, as, as you know, like you have a set story in your mind of this is the story I want to tell, but you're, you're never sure where it's going to go. Do you think that, you know, even just the change in something technical, like a runtime is reflective of the change of the story overall in the film? Um, because the film itself is just a wild journey. You know, it takes you up and down through some amazing times. And, um, you know, do you think that's a direct reflection or? Um, well, uh, have we mentioned the name of the film yet? <laughs> I have. I was just oh, good. Say, okay. All right, for, good. for the people who are watching the video version, they'll have seen the trailer. But for, if you're listening on, on audio, tell us a little bit about what the, the film's about. Yeah, well, I think the shortest way to describe it is some reviewer or somebody called it medicine for divisive times. And so it is about how an incredibly diverse crew of kids who were different ages, different from different towns, different schools, different races, different economic backgrounds, got together and just gelled without their parents whatsoever. And, you know, we went on road trips and everything. And then we stayed in touch the rest of our lives. And uh, so, you know, to this day, they're all good kind of brothers to me. And there's nine of them. And to answer your, and it's sort of a journey throughout 40 years of what happened to everybody. And uh, it proves that, you know, America can unify is my my feeling if it wants to and um so uh to answer your question about the timing um i think on a surface level uh you just want to cut everything out that isn't boring and and find out how long it is in the end mm -hmm. um and so you're 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 constantly making judgment calls as to whether you think your audience is going to be interested in in this footage or this statement or this music or whatever you put in there and uh um but for this uh as, as soon as i soon after i decided to make the film and i knew it would be longer than 24 minutes i knew it would probably be about an hour and a half and i was glad i could cut it down to 80. um that's a very big decision for people. Uh, and it's a very good question. And, but in this case, covering 40 years or maybe even 50 years, I don't think it would have done it justice if I made it less than a half an hour. And, uh, in 
And when you have a long film, you have the advantage of the audience relaxing and provided they enjoy the film, they are able to pick up on cues that are subtle and uh, not uh, in your face. Um, so, you know, you can tell, you, I think you can get more emotionally involved the longer the film is. And you run a risk of losing your audience if you don't cut it at the right length, you know? That's one thing that really struck me about it because, you know, we've been to, involved in Dokuta, the film festival, for yeah. a long time. And, and as such, we've seen a lot of documentary films and feature ones, especially where, you know, there we've seen plenty of amazing ones, but we've definitely seen plenty of features where in the first 30 minutes, I feel like, okay, I've seen everything. And then it starts to repeat itself. And, um, and those always, they, they do lose me as a viewer. And it's one thing that about your film that really struck me is that it's 80 minutes and I felt almost like I could go for another 20 minutes or so, but that's also the best place to keep it because it leaves you wanting just a little more and you really feel invested. And, and also another thing as an audience member is, you know, just like you all lived an entire life knowing each other. Well, and in the medium of the film, if you did it as a short, it wouldn't have the same impact as it would as a feature because as a feature, you have more time to feel like you got to know these people, these characters, the same way you all did, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that really speaks to, you know, how that decision influenced and improved uh, the, the end product in a way. Mm -hmm. And one thing I wanted to ask you was, was when did you make the decision to uh, say, okay, that's it. That's enough. We've got enough. Cause you kept filming and getting more footage and interviews throughout the years. So you had to have a point where you said, okay, this is it. We're going to actually do it now. <laughs> um, well, the first thing pops into my mind is, is my editor said, that's it. <laughs> my editor said, Charlie, it's, it's done. You know, um, I didn't want to stop, but um when I realized another way to another way to answer that is when I realized I had an ending that was fitting to what I'm trying to communicate. Um, and, uh, so that's really the short of it. Um, and I was ready to, you know, I, I was willing to go on to make it better and better, but at some point you just gotta leave the cake alone, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, uh, and then just start promoting it taking it around on film festivals around the world. So that's, it's, it's a very tough decision is, is the real short answer. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of segueing into, into that. How, how has the film festival reception been for the film? You know, what, what has been the, the overall kind of average reaction to it and what are the successes you found with it? Well, thanks for asking. Um, well, it won two, out of all the festivals it, it was in, it won two thirds of the awards uh, or two thirds, an award in two thirds of the festivals. So I'm really quite proud of that. And most of them are best documentary, best feature. Um, you know, uh, that's just so exciting, especially for my first feature film. Um, and, uh, you know, there was a warm reception for it and people crying and, and belly laughing and, you know, laugh, you know, it, you could feel the vibe in the theaters, uh, that 
people liked it. And that is very gratifying for a filmmaker. You know, it's, um, it's, uh, it's what you hope for. It's a dream in a sense, because what you're really hoping to do is communicate directly, you know, really well to people. And if they're feeling what you felt about the subject, just even 50%, then I think that's a win, a really big win. Absolutely. Um, I, I kind of want to go back a little bit too, because you, you briefly mentioned it, but I know it's a big part of, of you and who you are is your, your career as a photographer. And what, where did you, how did you get into photography? It was obviously something you started playing with when you were younger, but when did that happen? Well, I want to say it's a great starting point for filmmaking because it is a lot like filmmaking. Um, you know, often I will come to a location with 20 pounds of equipment and three assistants and people say, what are you making a movie? <laughs> and I said, no, just one picture. <laughs> but that's how much production goes behind some photographs, you know? And so, um, but to answer your question, how did I start it? Well, I, I, like I said previously, I, I shot Super 8 just for fun when I was a kid, um, but didn't really just take off with it and start making films. Um, I made a few, but uh, uh, I guess it was really in college when I decided to study creative fields in college, um, I found that photography was the easiest way for me to communicate. And out of all the, uh, the mediums. And so I used it more and more when I had open medium projects and assignments. And uh, so that's how I really started. I had trouble communicating with other mediums and getting my point across. But photography has the illusion of reality. So it really kind of made sense to me. Um, and I felt I could inject storylines into one picture well like i i have ever since i was a kid i had a fascination with a uh, small things and how you could communicate with a very small thing or what it meant and so i i i sort of stuck to 35 millimeter and i couldn't believe how much you could describe in that 35 millimeter frame even when my peers were going on to two and a quarter and four by five formats i was like no, 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 something about this I really like, you know, sometimes to my detriment, but uh, I did start shooting large format as well. Does that answer your question? Well, I think it's be it begins a discussion about it because I think that's that's the cool aspect of what you bring to the film is that you have this history as you're, you're already a documentarian just by doing what you do in your career. And then bringing that mindset to the world of film, it just seems natural. And what were some experiences you had uh, working in still photography that you think really shaped where, who you are as, a, as an artist and expressing your ideas? Um, well, certainly I, I became known somewhat with photo essays. And so um, that was very, you know, that was a little unusual. Um, and uh, I got a couple of clients where I shot photo essay after photo essay after photo essay. And, I didn't even know much about the one, two, three act structure. I wanted a, I wanted a 
a, a great opening. That was the main thing. And then I'd just shoot photojournalism and anything I could create after that and see where the chips lie. So I really had an act one, two structure with my photo essays. Um, and I didn't really pay attention to a closer, you know, um, and, but I, for some reason it's, it worked. I got hired a lot and, um, and I think not every photographer thinks of a closer, but, um, I think that's a really good example of how I was formulating a storyline, uh, you know, in a, in a, in an organic way, you know, I knew I needed an opener to grab people and I still feel that that's more important than most people think, you know, in film. And, uh, so that's, I, I, I think uh, the way they put it is like the first, as far as like judging goes, when you're spinning the festivals, it's, it's the first 30 seconds of your film. It's, you know, make it or break it because if it's, if it, if it's not, if people aren't going to be immediately interested in, in wanting to see, you know, your opening, what's the point of them sticking around, you know, if it's going to get interesting later and, and about Virgin Blacktop, the opening of that film is, is probably one of the most surprising things to me is how it just grabs you and basically never lets you go. You know, you're just, you're, you're, you're on for the ride. And when, you know, I, I knew nothing about the film when I went to see it for the first time and it blew me away, particularly that opening with the, the music number and the photographs and just everything, you know, coming together to, to just make it so, so like captivating. It was, it was great. Well, thank you. Um, one thing I want to add is um, I think beyond that, just a, a grabbing opener, I think it sort of um, gives the audience confidence that if this is a great opener, Oh man, I, I think I'm going to like what this person's going to have to say later, even if the opener dies down to a, a very slow scene and you have like a contrast. I think that um, if, if, if it shows in the opener that you have a, a deep thing to say, or you really went through a lot of trouble to do it, or, or it's very creative, then it sets the tone for the patience of the audience. And they're much more willing to put up with a story description right afterwards or something that you would normally think would be a little boring. You know what I mean? That the opener just, if it's going to grab you and it's got quality and it's different, especially different, that's the best, you know? So it's a really interesting point. I like that, that uh, mindset. And one thing is like with documentary films, I feel like sometimes documentarians forget the fact that they're, making a film, you know, like they have all this important stuff to say, but then it's like, but where's the film? I feel like I'm just getting talked at. Whereas, you know, Virgin Blacktop and I think some of the more, you know, documentaries that really, really affect me are the ones that remember that, hey, I'm just telling a story here. This is a film. There is an act one, two, three kind of structure. Um, even if it's not, you know, playing by a strict rule book, there's definitely an intention of, hey, this is where we're going to end up. Right. I think that's really important. Yep. I, I agree. Um, and I've always felt that way, even before I thought I'd be a filmmaker. When I saw films, I, I could tell 90% of the time that I would like this film from the first two minutes, you know, and uh, especially if it, if it described something and is super creative, you know. 
So do you think oh. there's an aspect about filmmaking and storytelling that kind of comes from a place of it's an innate sense, or do you think it's something that's learned? Um, I think it's both. I really do. Um, I grew up in a, a storytelling family um, only because there were journalists in my family, but not in the, um, not in the traditional sense. They weren't great at like telling a story at a dinner table, you know, which I've seen many friends do incredibly well. And uh, it was more, it was more a background history on how stories influence people and that story making in itself is a vehicle with which to tell people with which to communicate basically. So um, I can't help but think that that helped me. Um, one thing I wanted to ask was, so kind of being a film student and seeing how students in general have, you know, certain paths they want to take in, in the industry, a lot of them want to pursue, pursue um, scripted film um, because they feel that's where they have the most control over their story. Um, but one thing I've seen in my experience in, you know, my small kind of experience in making short student documentaries is that documentaries are really fun to make in the sense that, in my opinion, you almost have a bit more control in telling the story you want to tell with the information you're given. So what would you, what would you say kind of your experience making this film? Do you think it kind of helped break that stigma of like, Oh, documentaries, you have no control. You just have to follow a specific formula. Like, what do you say about the process you use to make this film uh, compared to like a narrative? That's an interesting question. Um, well, first of all, I think documentaries are a lot more time consuming than not narratives. <laughs> um, especially if you're shooting in a shotgun fashion, uh, just shooting everything you, you can uh, because you're not sure how the story is unfolding. Whereas uh, narratives are very specific generally, you know, um, I'm sure there's blends of them, you know, uh, but um, I, I look forward to doing a narrative someday, just, be, but I think there's so many other challenges. Like if you have one bad actor or one actor that just doesn't work or they're not enjoying it or then in a documentary, you can just go to another person or use the negativity or the bad acting or whatever you want to call it um, to your advantage and uh, see where that goes. But um, I think documentaries are just more free flowing uh, and narratives are more specific uh, of a vision in a sense. Like you, you really shouldn't go into a narrative, I don't think, without knowing the vision almost exactly you can deviate from it if, if you you know but with with documentaries it's like sailing on the ocean you know you're aiming to go to spain but you might end up in south africa and that's okay <laughs> yeah and it's important to like know the rules but you know them so that you can break them and be more flexible in a way yeah yes and uh rule breaking is part of any art so you have to be aware of those for sure. So tell us a little bit about the guys and uh, kind of how they, their experience in being part of the film. Um, well, the first thing that comes to mind is, uh, you know, the, one of the most enjoyable things about making this is I got to know my friends better. I got to hang out with them, you know, 
and uh, we became closer and we traveled to film festivals together and everything. Um, but the guys, um, you know, it, it just, it reaffirmed me that my vision of what I wanted the film to be was going to come true. The more I hung out with them, they are so different and so charismatic that uh, that's another reason why I felt like the film needed to be longer is that we had nine characters. That's a very, that's a lot of characters. I don't, it's very unusual to have that many characters. So I knew it would be very tough for people to pay attention to all of them. Um, but um, I forgot what your question was. Like, what about, Oh, just tell us like what their, what their, from you, from your point of view, what their experience was like as far as being part of this film. Oh, um, well, um, I think they all enjoyed it, uh, except for one. Um, one of the guys refused to be interviewed afterwards. And I was just floored, you know, I, I, it crushed me. It was probably one of the toughest parts of making the film. Um, and I thought, but when I realized I, he may not be in, I thought, well, holy sh holy moly, I've got to, you know, make a creative solution out of this and just say they're so, you know, make it obvious in the documentary that we're so diverse that he, that one person didn't even want to be in it, you know, and this is why, because they went on to do different things, but thankfully he had a change of heart, you know, and he came in and, uh, and he, he's so happy about it. And he's actually the one that seems to have offered more help after the film was made than any, any one of the wizards and the wizards are the name of the team that we were on. And uh, so it's been really heartwarming that that backstory and it, it's not told in the, in the documentary really. So, um, and then there were, you know, there were, it was challenging uh, to, to deal with everybody differently too. You know, um, they weren't a football team. They weren't like, a bunch of lawyers. They were, you know, they, you couldn't put any of them in a box and uh, you know, one didn't make it. So I had to make do with very early footage that I really didn't know much about, you know, filmmaking with. And that was one of the biggest challenges is to, to make sure that one of the members of the wizards is well represented and uh, people and the audiences care about them. And I have to hand it to my editor. I, I basically gave it to him. I said, because he died, I just was like, your main goal here besides making the whole film is to, is to find out how to make this wizard uh, palpable to the audience. You know? And I think the film does a really good job with that. It's definitely one of the more powerful and emotional parts of the film, especially when you realize you know, that that footage was shot you know, how, how many years ago, like it, it fit, it fits the context of the film beat spanning all these years. And that's something with documentary filmmaking that you, you could never capture with a narrative film. Yeah. And we're at a stage now where people dying in films is no 
big deal. That just happens so often. And I know like 20, 30 years ago, you'd see a documentary and somebody died in the film. They're like, oh my God, this is in the film, you know? <laughs> like, but so you have to, you're, you're constantly upping the art form in order to make sure that your audience is interested, you know? And is invested as well. Yeah. 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 So, and of course, you know, the, the main character in the film, he, he just, he just gave so much to the film and he, Jamal is his name. And, uh, he, he said no to nothing I proposed. <laughs> and, uh, he just gave me so much time and, and, and so much access and so much openness, uh, that, you know, I couldn't, have, you know, he was just amazing. What do you think was your uh, your favorite festival experience? If you can, if you can put one down, uh, that's tough. Um, I think to you know um, to tell you the truth, the combination of the good time I had with the Wizards and the festival, I think I had my best time at Doc Utah. There was something about we bonded well there. We had a good time. We were all out of town. Wasn't any hometown for anybody. Um, and we just, we, we, we went hiking, you know, we, and, and everybody there was so friendly. I think it was Doc Utah. I'd have to say. That was and a, I'm not that saying was that a, because you guys <laughs> at it. I really am not. I've said it to the max. No, I think that festival experience, seeing you, I, you could just see you guys having so much fun, especially at that screening. You were so relaxed and so comfortable. and You guys you know, stood on the just, chairs. Yeah, you're standing <laughs> on, the, on the chairs in the theater. And it was just such a, such a wonderful experience to get to see you guys. And it, it, you could see the bond existed there 100%. And it carried from the film to the Q&A and to afterwards when we saw you guys just, you know, hanging out and, uh, it was it was unforgettable to see you guys there. So I'm pretty, you know, I can't even imagine what it was like for you guys. Yeah, it was, it was wonderful. And, you know, the most we traveled as kids was down to New Jersey from New York, you know, <laughs> in a car. And here we were in the middle of the country in a, in a, in a, like another planet pretty much, which is what Utah is like. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, and we had uh, five of us there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. And um, where, uh, so we were talking about this before, but uh, where, where can people see Virgin Blacktop? Um, they will be able to see it streaming online uh, this summer. Um, I do have a distributor and um, we are getting all the assets together right now. Uh, there's all kinds of things you have to do to prep it, like, you know, translating into different languages and stuff like that and uh so it'll be on a streaming platform in your home this summer and we're uh, i'm so excited about that so cannot wait yeah we're excited we're definitely and, gonna tell people about it <laughs> well thank you i appreciate that and yeah. one question i have is you know what's next where are you where are you up to next after virgin blacktop is out well, um, I, uh, at this point, since Virgin Blacktop was such, uh, you know, just took so much of my heart, 
I'm, I'm so enjoying making short films right now, you know, from 30 seconds to 40 minutes. Um, I'm, I'm taking old footage that I took and never cut. Uh, and, uh, I'm going to learn, I'm learning how to edit. And, uh, so I'm, I'm doing that. And, um, I, uh, that's really, I, I can't imagine making a feature right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's just, I think just learning the nuts and bolts of shorts will make me a better filmmaker and I, I can't help, but have to make them. Yeah. Shorts are, shorts are great. I love, I love making shorts. Shorts yeah. are always a, a blast. There's yeah. a lot of room to experiment. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah. Well, very yeah. cool. Very cool. And, uh, it's just if there's anything else you'd like to share with us, feel free. Um, I'm just excited for this to um, to be born, you know, on a streaming service, and uh, I'm so glad it's happening. And uh, and to to basically promote it and then make another feature or drama, you know, either a documentary or feature or drama. So. Um, this is sort of my calling card. Once it goes online, it's sort of like it was when I was a photographer. I, when you have a portfolio, so. Well, we're excited um, to see what you do next. Well, thanks. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm excited to see what you guys do. Yeah, this is. It, we'll uh, we'll uh, stay in touch and uh, collaborate. <laughs> yeah, I would love to. That's another thing I'm doing is collaborating with other people. Um, it, I think that's a. I just came out with a one minute commercial for a local business and um, it was just so much fun to make. And, you know, it took a month or two uh, off and on, but uh, it's only 60 seconds and it's very impact impactful. That's great. That's really cool. Well, thank you, Charlie. We appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. And well, thank uh, you. Again, uh, to all our viewers and uh, listeners, uh, you can check out Virgin Blacktop coming this summer. Uh, stay tuned uh, via social media. We'll, uh, we'll link Charlie's social media to in our description. And um, you can follow him, follow the film, and hopefully you can watch it and enjoy it just as much as we did. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you for watching and thank you for listening. <laughs>